Good afternoon. This is Scott Carson, founder and CEO of Powered by MRP and also host of MedTech Marketplace. Today, um, I've got uh, Thea Darlow here that I've known uh, uh, for a couple of years now, and um, it's my great benefit to uh, have come to know her. We've worked together. Uh, we've collaborated together. We've had a lot of fun together. And uh, she runs and, uh, and owns the Spa Advocate, which is uh, a consultancy group that uh, travels around the country to help um, clinicians and practitioners and administrators um, operate their, uh, uh, their sex practices. And uh, she's got over 20 years of uh, training and education experience uh, in this industry. Uh, she's highly regarded. Uh, she's worked for many of the major manufacturers and has tremendous insight on uh, how they behave and what they do which is incredibly valuable. So uh, Thea, thanks for coming on and uh, love having, having you. Thank awesome. you. Thank awesome. You. So we were uh, uh, catching up a little bit before and uh, just about what we're doing. And uh, uh, we had talked about um, how we wanted to uh, uh, share some of your, your thoughts, um, your experience with some of the people that, uh, that listen to this. You know, this uh, uh, podcast will go out to 60,000 um, of MRP's contacts. And so uh, we wanted uh, maybe just for you to share a little bit about uh, what you've learned um, in the space over the last 20 years. It might be advantageous to clinicians. And the first and foremost of the thing we were talking about is kind of um, what you should be doing before you even consider buying any product or service in this space. So Absolutely. can you kind of share kind of your thoughts and actually <laughs> um, have a plan? <laughs> very, very important to have a plan before you do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what should you do before you let that Rep in the door. Right. So um, uh, my first step with any potential client is to just have a conversation about what their mission is and what they're looking to do. Um, we might have a doctor that has a traditional practice that's moving into medical aesthetics or an aesthetic clinic. It might be in their building. It might be a separate building. Um, what is your mission? Are you going into more of a cash pay? Um, there's There's so many different nuances that really create that that baseline and foundation of building into and developing a new side of your practice. So, you know, what do you want? What are you looking for? You know, um, learning about their demographic, what their existing uh, practices, their existing patient, if they even have those, and what those people are looking for in that area. Is your area super saturated? I mean, we still have people that are looking at laser hair removal in, in a completely saturated market in a big city where I don't necessarily want to put a laser hair removal device in there when you start looking at something more anti-aging. So my first conversation is, what is your plan? Mm -hmm. Do you have a plan? And if you don't have a plan, let me give you five easy steps to help define that plan for you because it has to make sense for you. Um, I don't want to come in there and tell you what you have to do. It has to be a mutual symbiotic relationship between us um, to move forward. I often uh, use this um, comparison when I talk to people in that same situation. I'll say, if I were opening up a restaurant here in Park City, um, the idea that I would lease space and buy all the restaurant equipment and hire all the staff um, and uh, print all the menus and um, start buying food and start serving people, um, I would want to actually go to every restaurant in Park City. I want right. to see how I'm greeted. I want to see how they answer the phone. I want to understand what the market has. What is it lacking? What are they doing good at? Right. I really want to understand those things because it's so difficult to open up a restaurant and be successful. We all know this because right. of the TV shows. It's equally or harder to open up a successful aesthetic practice. Very yet much. people jump into this with no plan. They're just oh, like, no. you know, I it's saw somebody do it. Very impulsive. Well, and I think a lot of it is, um, I see a lot of doctors that are personal friends and peers of mine that you know, they fight insurance companies constantly and they have a huge overhead. And how do I have a viable company where I can serve, help people in my, in my area, um, but still be able to pay my bills, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I literally just had dinner with a doc two nights ago and we had this conversation in gynecology, mm -hmm. you know, they're the mm -hmm. most least paid doctors out of all doctors because after insurance takes their cut, they're left with a very, very small little portion and they're standing out there going, have some more, please. You know, so, um, yeah, I think that, um, in a consulting side of this, that's where I come into play a lot because I look at demographics. I look at, um, how people are greeted. One of the questions that I do ask people is, have you ever had a facial? Have you ever had laser hair removal? And a lot of these, um, a lot of the people that I meet with, it's no, 
I don't have time. I, I, it's one I've, of the, I've never had a facial fee yet, I, I, but I, you I, want to go and sell them. <laughs> I, I want to comment on, um, on uh, you mentioned five things, five steps. I want to make sure that uh, people hear those five things that you generally get going. But you, it's really interesting. I, I often, when you said that about um, have you got a facial or had hair removal, um, they, they get so excited to get into the space because of the pressure or the opportunity that they're feeling um, is lacking in their in their own practice, that I'll, I'll say to them, have you done any phantom shopping? Have you actually yeah. gone to other spas? I mean, it's a little disingenuous to do that when you actually have a spa. But if you right. don't have a spa or you don't have a setting practice, it's a great time to go out and find out what the community is doing. I mean, Absolutely. It'd be a little disingenuous to some extent if I went and you know, uh, canvassed every restaurant if I was a big restaurant owner. Right. But if you don't own anything yet, if you're not operating... That's Where's a, your baseline? Yeah, let's go find out what's going on. Let's go, <laughs> right. let's go figure it out and get some of this done. So go get facials, go get mm-hmm. hair removal, go get um, maybe a minimally invasive procedure, something yeah. like microneedling RF, and check out all these... Use skincare. Use skincare. That's a big one. Um, a lot of people are like, yeah, I don't... I just use kind of... Dub soap, or I let my shampoo just trickle down my face, and that's how I wash my face. And it's like, I think we're going to have to level up if we're going to go into medical aesthetics, guys. So, what are the five things you mentioned? Five things. What would be like if somebody were listening um, and watching? Uh, what would be quick off the top? Doesn't have to be five. Could be six, three. Yeah. What are the things somebody should think it's, about? It's basics. It's who, what, when, where, and why. Right. Okay. So, what is your why? Um, you know. Who, who, who are you looking to actually treat? What is your demographic? Um, also, who, um, who is going to help you run this establishment? You know, um, one of my favorites, um, and, and I mean this with all the love in my heart, is, um, well, my best friend and my wife or my husband and one of my kids, we're going to do this together. And man, uh, the Brady Bunch and, and the Partridge family, all of that, it sounds great, but... Um, it's not really viable a lot of times because we, we love our family, but it's different when we have to work with our family and live with our family and have those, um, those unique relationships. So when you're looking at who you're going to bring in, what's their background? Are they, are they getting hired because you know them? Um, are you getting hired because they get these treatments and they understand that more than you do? You know, I'm not saying don't hire them. I'm saying be thoughtful in who you hire or who you bring in because these are the people who are going to support you, your practice, and everything you do. Um, that baseline, um, that that's foundational. Um, it's, so when you're building a house, um, you know, building a business is very much like building a house. You want to make sure that you've got a great foundation. Uh, make sure that there's rebar in that concrete or that house is going to shift and your walls are going to fall. Um, and that's a big part so of it. who, what, where, when, where, why? Yeah, where. Uh, where's your location? Is it going to be in your existing practice? Have you looked at your demographics again of, you know, how much leases are? Um, would it be in your interest to build, buy a building, build a building? All of these things that people typically don't think of, they get very honed in on, well, I heard about this device and I want to buy this device. How are we going to support that device? That is the where. Um who, what, um, so what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's a big part of it. Well, um, I really like injections, which, which type there's so many. Um, I really like filler. Okay. Well, the filler part of our world is, um, very artistic and these people that are master injectors and, you know, artists of the face, they have these huge followings. So we have, you know, let's say doctor or nurse Z that's going to walk in here with zero experience in an, in a world where we have a lot of valuable people that are been doing this for a very, very long time. How do you plan on getting at their level? Mm -hmm. This is your one thing that you're bringing in right now. And you're surrounded by 10 master injectors. That's something that you need to think about. Um, your different devices, and there's so many devi- devices out there, and everyone thinks that theirs is the best for one reason or another, but there's a reason why there's so many, because we need a lot of tools in the toolbox to build a house, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I want you to think about that. If you're in a saturated market with laser hair removal, I honestly, how bad do you need laser hair removal? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're looking at more anti-aging, what does anti-aging actually mean to you? So in these conversations, I do go a little deeper into that and 
really figure out what you're passionate about because what you're passionate about is what you're going to be able to educate about. And when you can educate someone, then that sale is a secondary symptom. Uh, it just naturally happens because you had a organic, natural, educated conversation about it. You know, it's, it's, to me, this who, what, where, when, why thesis is so fascinating this space to me because um, I always tell people this, that currently there's over 1,200 devices in our facility that we own. And every single one of them has come from failure. Nobody sells us a device they're making money with that's working well. Every single one of them has come from failure. And where do they yeah. come from? They come from people going to these gauntlet meetings um, in hotels right now where it's a weekend thing, where everybody's drinking, having fun. Um, and uh, you're, the people on the podium are being paid by the manufacturers. The reps have never run a balance sheet, never run a P&L, have never run an operating company in any capacity. Speak the truth. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> and, and, but there's no planning. He's hitting me in my heart, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, uh, all of these devices we have came from somebody's failure, death, divorce, bankruptcy, liquidation, okay. practice acquisition, practice sale, whatever it might be. They're just everywhere. And um, uh, the easiest thing to do is believe it or not, buy a device. That's the easy part. Yeah. Um, the hard part is the who, what, where, when, why. Yes. And it's backwards. It is. Everybody is going about it, um, let, hey, wait a second, I'm gonna go ahead and pull that condom off, I'm gonna have a child, without any thought to... It's no plan, <laughs> no, we're just gonna wing it. <laughs> just gonna wing it. And, uh, but uh, in, in, in their defense though, they don't feel like they're winging it because they have this amazing salesperson across from them saying, Dude, you're going to make millions. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Everything's going to fall in place. If you sign here, we have support. We have all these things we're going to do for you. It's going to be magical. Almost magical. It, it, it's um, the, the, the way that the industry um, communicates the, um, uh, the potential success of these devices. It's like you're buying an ATM that works in reverse. Like you, 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 you just, you just coming out. You really, can't even keep up with it. Here's the thing. Like you're going to, you're going to spend $200,000 on this thing and literally you're going to put it in the lobby and it's just going to print out cash yeah. all day. Yeah. Long. It's a lottery ticket. It's, it's a winning lottery ticket. It's a winning lottery ticket. Um, <laughs> that's, I and, keep buying them. I'm not winning yet, but you know, I'm going to keep trying. So. We talk about um, the who, what, where, when, why. Clearly, that's the first thing you should do. I always tell people, time is your ally. Go slow. There's yeah. absolutely no rush to buy anything. There's the buying in bulk theory. But you're going to get a great deal. Well, it's not really a great deal if you're not utilizing it, You know, right? that's, a, that's a great point. Yeah. I'm going to give everybody a really big secret here. That, that uh, uh, Two things. Two secrets to this. So I kind of jumped over. <laughs> <laughs> first, first is, is I've never seen a hair removal emergency. Not one. Okay. There's never been one. Mayday, mayday. You know, I can't find but, my razor. But, but you know, I said that to somebody the other day and they said, they said, Scott, you know what? Some of my clients actually, there is, there's a hair removal emergency, but all, all kidding aside, there isn't. The other thing is, this is the, the, the biggest secret in this space. When reps are trying to pressure you, it's the end of the month, the end of the quarter. This is, this is top secret stuff here. Okay. Top secret. Okay. Nobody, nobody knows this. Okay. This is the gym of all gyms that are given. There's going to be another quarter. And here's the, here's the real best part. They can make more. <laughs> they can. These invisible strings that are pulling all of us. <laughs> they can make more. And there's another quarter. Those are the two absolute certainties in my life. They, oh, can, yeah. they can make more of them. They're, they're endless supply of devices, but yet revolving door. Device. And then some of the things that I hear are hysterical, like this doctor in Russia bought this device, but he can't take delivery because we can't ship it. Um, there's been a fire in a warehouse, <laughs> and so we can't move my, it. My floors aren't done yet, so I'm just going to wait until the end of the year. <laughs> just crazy. All, all the excuses. So, so basically, it's easy to buy. What are your thoughts on what you've seen in the industry about this kind of easy to buy? You know, just things that you've seen and... Because um, it is super easy to buy things, but hard to implement them. Yes. So when it comes to buying a device, it's, again, making sure that you have the right device. But uh, once you buy a device, it's what are you synergizing it with? What products are you using? Um, what other implementation are you using within your practice to really drive that? And who's driving it? You know, do you, is, is this a one-woman show or a one-man show? Do you have a team? Uh, who's doing your marketing? How are you letting your, 
your people know. So it's this support system that has to happen from the device um, and from your practice. Um, and unfortunately, I think everyone tries to find ways to support the person and their device as best as they possibly can. But as we've said before, it's kind of like um, cell phone companies. Um, everyone's trying to do the best, but it's it's not really working out, right? There's there's a, It's like the least worst one is the one that we're going to go with. So um, when you buy a device, it's how do you support it? How are you going to support it? Um, this last year, I've seen a lot of, um, well, we're going to give you a billboard. Okay. Um, where? Well, it's going to be in a very obscure location on a road that no one drives on, but we're going to, it's a great deal. And your name's up on a billboard. And that is, um, that's awesome. Well, now you're playing on people's egos of, you know, let's put your names in lights. We're going to make you so big and it's going to be, you know, yeah, I, th I think I follow you. So, so yeah. basically your first thing is before you do anything in this space, doesn't matter if it's a service, um, a pharmaceutical, like an injectable or device, really the who, what, where, where, you know, why, what is the underlying thesis of what you're doing? Okay. So now that's done and you've made your decision. Now you're ready to buy something. It's easy yeah. to buy. Now you've got to think about, I think what you were saying is how are you going to market it? How are you going to implement it? Um, how are you going to service it? How are you going to support that? Right. And that's the second kind of slippery slope because. Oh, very much so. So because it starts with, sorry, and um, it starts with clinical training, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a fun topic for Scott and I both um, because we both have um, very unique perspectives, right? But, um, you know, we set up clinical trainings for you, uh, my team, his team, uh, different manufacturers, and you show up to a clinical training and half the people haven't shown up. You gave them a schedule or maybe you didn't. Um, and now everyone's kind of scrambling around like feral cats trying to figure out how you're actually going to train on the device that you just bought or the products you just bought or the filler, um, whatever the case may be. Clinical trainings are so very important. That is your investment back, not into just your device, but to your team. Um, so take your clinical training seriously uh, because your patients do. Um, then past the clinical trainings, you have how else do you support? Um, how are you going to market this? You know, are you combining this? Your pricing, your packaging, all of these little things. Something as simple as a rack card inside an office of showing people a polite way of how you do things, what your services are, what those prices are without giving them an entire book to read. You know, I still go into offices and they've got like literally books of everything that they do. No one really reads through those. We need something simple, quick, quick reference. Let's go. So you have to look at all of those different aspects to create that baseline of what you need for your company. And a lot of people, we, we tend to, Oh, well, my wife's going to do the social media. And I look at her and she's like, um, can you show me how to do a reel? Invest that money back into the right people so that once you have your device and you're cl clinically trained on it, you can actually educate on that device. And again, that's when that secondary cell comes in because all of these things line up. So what you're making me um, pause to think about, and maybe I can use this as a comparison that will um, kind of help connect what you're describing, is you know, most men that are about my age and had some success were like, I'm going to go buy a race car. It's like, you know, or, and, when they call that again, Scott? <laughs> well, I, I passed, I passed that. I'm, I'm on my third You're life crisis. Third um, so we, we, uh, we basically say, Hey, I'm going to go buy a race car. Okay. And, uh, without any thought to what it's going to take to operate that car, how to, to, uh, maintain it, to maintain it. And, and, uh, how, where I'm going to race. I just want to go get one. And yeah. these are a quarter million dollars, not unlike some of the investments you make in services and injectables or, right. um, and I have no experience, uh, operating a race car. I have I've no, never, I've never, never driven a race really, car, really before. driven one. Yeah. So, um, then I go out and I find out, you know, Hey, I, I have, I don't have a plan, but I just want to do it. Then I go buy one. Okay. And obviously they're very excited to sell me one. Okay. So I, now I buy one. Somebody's happy that day. I pick up a little <laughs> bit of information about it and I'm excited. To have it. And then I run out there and I'm like, Hey, wait a sec. I, I actually have to figure out what to do. Yeah. And, um, but it's costly to operate this car. I have to hire a mechanics. Um, mm -hmm. I have to get spares. I have to get a trailer. I have to fly around to these events. Mm -hmm. I have to have entry. Oh, by the way, I've never been trained. Okay. No one's going to let me on the track. How do you shift again? <laughs> but here's what's interesting <laughs> is 
this industry will let you on the track. Oh yeah. And that's what I think what you're trying to say is you're kind of at that point where you bought a race car. Okay. You've now have all these other auxiliary expenses they never thought about. And all of a sudden they're getting ready to drive it and they find out they don't know how to drive it. Yeah. They've never even, but the industry will let you on there. So that's kind of what you're describing. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's autonomy to the point of it's a painful level of autonomy because it's, they give you just enough rope to hang yourself mm -hmm. or figure out how to tie the right bow. Um, but that's when, you know, you have people like me who are consultants who I've, I've ridden this bike for a couple of decades. I was thrown to the wolves a very long time ago and I had to learn by practical application through a lot of failure uh, to figure out what was the best avenue. You have clinical trainers um, all across the country that are experts and specialists on these specific devices or technology. Uh, when they come into your office, become that sponge and learn all, all, all you can possibly learn in an eight hour class or a four hour class, because everything that you retain is going to help you create the foundation you need to build the company that you want to build, whether you're an employee or the business owner, all, I mean, these are the most important things. Um, and then when it breaks or something happens or somebody drops a handpiece, you know, who do you go to? Why would you go to them? How much is that going to cost? Is there a warranty or is there a cash pay option? Just like we do with our bodies, right? Mm. Um, and insurance, you know, with, you want to make sure that you are really thinking about all of the things ahead of it because it's going to happen. It's not if, it's when. So be prepared for that. So it, it seems like, you know, right now it's um, the industry is growing and it's not unusual when you go to a trade show or a meeting and about half the attendees haven't even opened yet. Yeah. The other half have. Yeah. And what we've just been describing is before you jump in, part of the half that hasn't opened yet, right. you need to uh, come up with a who, where, when, uh, why, who, yeah. what, where, when, why. why? Um, you need to go slow when you purchase things and, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and then be really thinking about um, how you're going to implement it once you've made that decision. So if you've got the foundation built, which you mm -hmm. talked about, putting that rebar in. And then making sure that whatever you've chosen to do, that you buy carefully and slowly and uh, methodically, which is something that yeah. we, uh, we believe in. And then you've now got a support structure of how you can implement it. And obviously you can provide a lot of insight there. What about the people now that are already pregnant? Okay. <laughs> they've already had the, the child or maybe yes. multiple children. <laughs> they've they've and, got a herd. <laughs> and they're all misbehaving. Yes. Um, they're, all, they're all They're all cats or toddlers. <laughs> So what, what do we what do we tell these people right now that are listening to this, watching this, and they've they've got these devices, this huge investment, this massive amount of debt. This is the thing that I find so frightening is the the, the reps really do prey on the good credit of this industry um, that has a very low default rate because they can go back to work and make more money. And so this thing of hey you, you know you bought one but really to be successful you need two and then. To really be successful, you need three. And the reason you're not successful in the first one is because you didn't buy the third one or the fourth one. And I watched these conditions end up with seven or eight devices, have thirty to fifty to sixty thousand a month in lease debt. Mm -hmm. They still haven't figured out the first step, who, what, where, when, why. Yeah. They haven't, you know, they they went and bought before they had a real yeah. strategy. Nothing's really developed out. They're just collecting now. You're a collector. You're a collector. You're not a race car driver. You just collect really nice cars. <laughs> really nice cars. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what do we what do we tell these people that now are sitting in this situation? that are sitting here just really scared out of their minds because you really can't default on it. Mm -hmm. um, you, you can't file bankruptcy. It's very difficult to do. Yeah. So what do you, what do you do in that case? What do we tell, what are you telling these people is from the spot advocates perspective, what are you helping these people with? So I go in with a business assessment, which sounds a little analytical, but it needs to be analytical because we didn't analyze before. So now we're going to post analyze, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I'll come in and look at, um, what they have, what their demographics are, uh, what they're doing and what they're not doing. And I always say, see a need, fill a need. So uh, when you give me a list of problems, I try to give you an equal list of solutions to that. And that could be anything from, let's focus on first being still. Don't get impulsive. Don't try to throw the kitchen sink at it. And I'm just going to go and do this because it's just, someone told me that this really works. Be still. And let's just really look at what you have. And then from there, we can truly make a, a healthy plan of action where maybe we focus on um, this time of year, this is when people are starting to get back into IPL. So do you have an IPL device? Do you have a, um, a lighter weight Erbium, maybe like a microblade of Erbium? Let's start tiptoeing into that and building out a marketing plan, some campaigns and promos for that, and build that back up, right? Because this is the time of year to do it. 
And then, you know, after Christmas, I start looking at my CO2s, things that are more, a little bit more aggressive or after the holidays. And we build out campaigns to help start developing and pulling in the revenue we need so that we can not only just pay off the devices and make these big payments, but we have a viable company again. So we eat our bear one bite at a time. We're not throwing the kitchen sink at this. It's the worst thing that you can do. Because at that point, you're just throwing more money after yeah. the, the, yeah. the... And there's the, organic ways to do this. You don't have to um, hire a huge marketing firm or spend $80,000 on a website. Um, believe it or not, most of the, the best tools that you have are already in your toolbox. Um, you're just not using them right. Or maybe you just didn't know you had them because they were stuck back in a corner next to... 30 devices that you're also not using. So I've, I've taken away kind of uh, three things. It's somewhat repetitive, but basically um, uh, re really who, what, where, when, why plan before you do it. This is for the people that haven't yeah. done anything yet. Then yeah. from the, on, on that, you've made that uh, foundational plan. Then you've got this, uh, okay, what is it that I'm going to buy? And buying slow, and methodically, right. and buying yes. carefully. And then third is you've made that decision to buy or in parallel to that decision to buy, you now are putting, what is the support structure I'm going to put in place to make sure that's successful. If you've already skipped those three steps and you now own a device or a service or a product or multiple, and you want to come in and fix that, you're basically doing that same thing. In reverse. In reverse. Yes. Okay. And in the same way you'd go slow, you go slow here. So it's going right. to be a bit painful, but then you're going to, yes. because you're making these payments or you've got this invested debt, you've got family members or other people or bank debt, and you're mm -hmm. now um, figuring out how I'm going to do this. You're going to have to struggle for a little bit or for a while. And I always tell people that this is an operating business. Um, it's a hard business. You've got customers and vendors and uh, legal and regulatory and uh, training and retraining and uh, payment issues and fraud. It's a mind boggling amount of work. And I often tell people, if I would have known how hard it was going to be to get MRP to where it is today, I wouldn't have done it because it is so difficult to run an operating company. There's so many different a lot factors. Of, a lot of variables. And yeah. I think that people don't realize that when they make this decision, they're basically making a decision to run an operating company in which there's not a real clear model for. Mm -mm. So do you no. see the same thing? I do. I do. Which is also what, um, what keeps me in my bread <laughs> because most people don't have a foundation. They don't have that baseline. And that's one thing that I love about moving from the provider and training into a consulting uh, position is that I can go in there and hold people's hands and show them the right way to do it. Awesome. So um, one of the things I think that would be fun to do is um, uh, you and I have both um, been in the industry a while and we've seen a lot um, and heard a lot. Um, I think it'd be um, interesting. Um, you've worked for multiple uh, top tier manufacturers, just some um, things. They could be things you want to stay away from, things you've learned, lessons that customers of yours have experienced, what would you say would be one of the top two or three? Share, share something that uh, is, is a typical pitfall, mistake, problem, um, bad situation that you've seen happen in the... And it's, I know How much this, time do you have? Well, well the, the mic's actually... The mic's actually... Um, <laughs> we might have to put charges on it, but... Yeah. Just, just, just um, share one topic. Do I have to mind. sign something before <laughs> I say these we're, things? We're not going to mention. So we won't say any names. We won't say any names. What, what are but, some of the things that, that uh, your customers have experienced yeah. by you know the, the, from the industry? So uh, just recently, just in the last couple of months, I've um, I've had several new clients that have um, we're we're going in reverse right now, and um, one of the biggest things is they overbought. They didn't have the support system. Um, they were told this is the best deal possible. And on, you know, on paper, when you see these astronomical numbers, these ridiculous numbers on a device, and they're like, so basically you're getting buy, buy one, get two free, you know? But they're not looking at that number is still really, really high. It just isn't as high as this one. It's not a million now, you know? So they get put in these, it feels like a trap of, well, I want to make more money, and if I have um, a lower buy-in, I can have more chances of revenue, so I have to buy in bulk to do this. But then they get it, and they don't have the support they need for all of those devices. And maybe each device does three or four services. So now you've got 12 services, and you've got one person to service 12 services, train them. It, it's it, The math doesn't compute. It does not work out. We, so 
we see this, um, and I, I don't think clinicians understand this formula that exists with, with uh, selling devices. The few people understand that, let's say that the retail price is 200. What buyers don't realize is 20% of the buying population will pay 200,000. Yeah. And when that 20% has bought, they're done. Um, and there's going to be a portion that says, that's too much money. I'm not paying it. I need a better deal. Go sharpen your pencil. The next 20% buys it at 180. Okay. Yeah. And, and magically, magically, because you know, I got a really good deal. Yeah. I got, I got, I got 20% off. Um, or 10% off. The, the next group um, that said, hey, I'm not buying it at 200. I'm not buying at 180. Um, I'm only, you know, I need a better deal. Those those people buy it. What's the grassroots of this device? 20, 20% buy at 160. And then the person, you know, the group that says, hey, I'm not going to pay 160. I need a better deal. Now they're on their fourth attempt to get a better deal. Mm -hmm. They come down to 140. Okay. Like, where's all this coming from? I mean, this is the best deal ever. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. And they're like, hey, you get to be a KOL. We're going to get you a yes. billboard. We're going to put you on the podium. Yeah. Yeah. You don't realize it's the end of the You're month. You're going to get all these marketing vendors that are going to help you. Yes. Marketing vendors that are going to help you. have seen a lot of that lately. And and so now you've got 20% at paid 200, 20% at paid 180, 20% at 160, 20% at 140. The next 20% don't buy at all. Okay. Right. Those are the ones that just said, Hey, I'm not buying. It's too Where'd much. Where'd all money. that money go? So that, what happened to that, all that money? <laughs> that number in the middle is called the ASP, the actual mm -hmm. sales price. Yes. That's the average sales price that they say ASP average sales yeah. price that they purchase at. Yeah. And so this variable pricing game is what you're talking about. And you're now getting all of these devices. They usually throw things in mm -hmm. and it's often things they can't sell. Right. Right. Um, and then again, there's no accountability because what I've seen is, you know, well, we're going to give you this marketing vendor and this marketing vendor and it's, and we're giving it to you for free. Mm -hmm. No, you're not. You're still paying for it in the invoice. Like mm -hmm. again, m math is not everyone's strong suit. It's probably not mine either, but this is simple math. So what you're not paying for, you're actually paying for in the invoice. So let's just say your device is $500,000. Mm -hmm. Okay. And for $500,000. You're going to get all of our support from our company. Um, you're going to have all of these other salespeople that are also going to be in there and getting paid off too. Um, and then you're going to have maybe two or three marketing companies and they're going to have anywhere from a five to a $20,000 cut out of your invoice that you're getting for free. Mm -hmm. You're not getting it for free. You are paying for these people. And then the beauty of all of this is that there's zero accountability. So once you buy your device and everybody gets their piece of your invoice, of your device that should have been less than half of what you actually paid for it, all of that money gets spread out to everybody else. You have your device, you, you get your clinical training, and then all of these vendors that are supposed to be helping you, well, if you don't call them, they're not calling you. And even, Nine times at a time. So, so let me see if I understand this right. Because um, it's, Now we're getting it's, a little dirty, but, but let's but, just be honest about so, it. So here's the thing. If, if I hire a vendor directly, there's some accountability between me and the yeah, vendor. That's but a contract between you and that vendor. But what you're saying is all of these free things, the, the customer really, their customer is the manufacturer, yeah. not you. And yeah. they, they may This have, is just a partnership that just, we put you with. You know, and now this is a partner that we work with. This partner also speaks at most of our events and gets paid at most of our events to talk about how successful they are. And this is what I've seen firsthand in this last year. And when I saw how their algorithm worked and how it really only works for one person or a group of people and not the boots on the ground, which is you. you so know? let me see if I got some, so. Basically, these events, these uh, hotel events, these gauntlets, as I call them, because they alcohol everybody up when they put you through this. Uh, you think mine's bourbon. It's actually just tea. <laughs> <laughs> so they put you through this thing. And uh, so the speakers are paid. Mm -hmm. All the vendors are basically paying to be there or being paid to vendor, be there. Mm -hmm. And um, they, they basically are getting you to sign up. Mm -hmm. And they're going to give you all these free things from all these vendors out there. But the customer, you're not the customer. The customer is actually the manufacturer yeah. that's giving you all these leads yeah. in which they're either um, not paying for because they're giving you these opportunities or they're paying for in some right. way. Okay. So yes. that, that's, that's yeah. clearly something you've seen. One of the things, you know, mm -hmm. one of the things we talked about a few weeks ago on the phone was um, interest rates on leases. And I talk a lot about this um, because people understand that uh, uh, a lease is uh, when a rep, um, uh, talks about an interest rate or a leasing company, there's multiple components to that rate. One component is the interest rate. 
which when somebody asks about the interest rate, it's usually seven, eight, nine percent right now. Mm -hmm. And people are like, hey, that's high, but that's the market. But that's actually not the interest you're paying. You're paying a rental rate that's blended with that interest rate. Yes. And that stream rate can be anywhere from 14 to 30 percent. Only two states, as I understand it right now, require a disclosure with the rate on there, the combined rate. So most people don't understand they're paying 14 to 30 percent interest on these devices um, that uh, uh, the manufacturers are selling. Are you seeing similar things in, in your world? Um, yes, and that's really not like, I will say, like my biggest strength is talking and breaking down the finances of things um, outside of what caught me is they're paying 9, 10, 11% sometimes, and they're paying it on that full 500. And let's just face it, 250, 300 of that was people's salaries, um, marketing partnerships, you know, things of that nature, but not the actual device. So you take 11% of 500 versus 11% of 120, that's substantial right there. And you, you are paying that. So, um, I mean, call it what it is. I feel like that's very black and white. As long as you want to look at the paper. I think I can break this down for yeah. you. So for example, um, if I want to buy a forklift for our business, I always use a forklift as an example. I, um, uh, I could buy a forklift and it might be, let's say, $75,000 or $50,000. Yeah. Um, and I should, th that's the price I'm paying for the forklift. But what you're saying, the manufacturers, what they're doing is, is uh, the forklift is $75,000. But if you buy this package of $300,000, okay, you're going to learn, learn how to use it. We're going to uh, put a cover on it. We're going to build you a garage for it. We're going to show you how to do things more efficiently. So they're stacking all these costs up there to take the actual sales price up higher. Mm -hmm. And really that stuff you should be paying for as you need or paying it directly from the vendors that you yes. like that you can hold accountable. Yes. You really shouldn't be stacking that up on your equipment costs. Yes. Because it's very few actual, I mean, I know of maybe two that I highly respect that show up and do their job. Mm -hmm. And in my professional perspective that I've seen in the last year, uh, the majority of them aren't doing it, you know, and then don't get me started on referrals. That's beautiful. What do you, what do you mean by referrals? Oh yeah. So I'm going to put you on the phone. I'm a, I'm a sales guy. This is my sales guy voice. Um, I'm going to get you on the phone with this doc down this, like, like he's three states away. So he's not going to be in your way, but man, he's in the same demographic as you. He's got the same type of climate clientele and he's killing it. He's making millions. Mm-hmm. Can I get him on the phone with you and you can talk to him and just hear firsthand experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying this on all of them because there are some really good people out there and I'm not going to knock them for being good human beings. But then you get this guy or girl on the phone and it's, oh, yeah, like I'm I'm killing it. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, my favorite device. I use it 500 times a day. Mm -hmm. I see 300 patients a day. Whatever. Some of it I've, I've heard and it's just, it's a little, it's, a little, it's just not palatable. So... They get off this 15 minute phone call. They call that sales rep like, yeah, I just got off the phone with your opportunity. Um, this looks great, blah, 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 blah. Like, like really, I think I, I think I brought it home for you. Well, for that 15 minute phone call, <laughs> I understand paying somebody for their time. Mm -hmm. Nobody respects that more, right? But these people are getting paid anywhere from five and $10,000. Five or $10,000. I've, I've heard it as much. And where is this money coming from? The sky? No, it's coming out of your invoice yes. or somebody's invoice. They have to rob Peter to pay Paul to pay these people out because instead of having the integrity of saying, like, for example, when I say, hey, I want you to use X partner that I work with and they build beautiful websites, it's only $10,000 versus fifty dollars or $60,000, but their work is pure, it's mm -hmm. on time, this is good. That person who owns that company will call me and say, hey, thank you so much for the referral. I'd really like to give you something back. And what do I say every single time? No, thank you. I really appreciate it. The best way you can give me a referral is if you see someone who needs my services to pass it along. We should not be paying each other you, you, to talk about each other. I don't think people realize that in every other aspect of It just grosses me out. <laughs> in every other aspect of healthcare, um, that is actually illegal. You can't do self-referral and share profitability. This is why it's very difficult for a clinician to own a CAT scan or an MRI right. because of the self-referral laws that exist. So this idea in aesthetics of paying people to influence others to make decisions is not allowed. It's illegal in other aspects of healthcare. And there's a reason for that. In aesthetics, because it's private pay, it's a private mm -hmm. pay industry, 
there's no barriers of regulatory third-party reimbursement. This but it's is also why, not ethical. It is also not ethical. So I think the take- Where's your moral compass? The takeaway here is I don't think people realize that most um, the clinicians on the podium that are speaking are often paid, mm -hmm. um, most often paid at these uh, events. The vendors have some uh, relationship financially intertwined into the, uh, the invoice in some way, directly or indirectly. Often the people that refer you to make that decision um, are being paid in some way. And so the device might be 100000 but really there's $200,000 worth of sales and marketing. You've got to pay all these people. Pay all these people to yeah. basically get you to make a purchase of $200,000. Yeah. So those are, those are three fascinating things. What other things maybe just top of mind that uh, we could share with our well, watchers and before listeners? Before we go into that, I do want to say, because like, I'm speaking generically, mm -hmm. there are people out there that have integrity. They have oh, a moral compass. I'm not saying it's everyone. I'm just saying I see more of it than not, and I would like to see less of it because our job, the reason why we choose medical aesthetics or medicine or, you know, like working with people is we care. We're supposed to care. We're here to serve each other and we're supposed to be serving each other. And the moment that you start serving yourself more than one other, you need to check yourself. Maybe be still at that point and take a step back and see what you're doing. We all have bills to pay. We all have to make money, but let's do it the right way. And now I'm going to get off my soapbox. Okay. Well, I, 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 there's no question. There, there's there's so much goodness in this injury, it really uh, is. industry. And, and I, I, you know, uh, sometimes I, uh, I think we all do, like we're in the aesthetic space, but the aesthetic space is very broad and there's some amazing work that is done. Um, uh, I mean, thousands and thousands of times a day that change people's lives. Mm -hmm. You know, most people don't understand the impact. If you've got uh, acne scarring, what the life-changing event is when, uh, when you have that scarring reduced. Mm -hmm. um, people may have had something that has always bothered them that something a simple filler would address um, and make a huge impact on their confidence in the way they approach they, the world. Yeah. And when you feel better about yourself, you treat other people great. It really is a gift that keeps on giving. No question. But I think the thing that, uh, that we have to be mindful of is this industry has been leaning into overselling and overcommitting mm -hmm. and making promises. And people are so fearful they're going to miss out on an opportunity. Here's another uh, secret as it relates to that is this industry is that the, like not even the, the second or third pitch of the first inning. Okay. This is the next 20 to 30 years of aesthetics is going to be like nothing that we've ever seen in the last 20 years. It is right. exponentially growing and evolving so quickly. You're not going to miss out by going slow. Yeah. And I think the biggest change that's going to occur, and people have heard me say this a lot in the last few years, is sales reps and marketing really won't be a part of the decision process in four or five years. And the reason it won't is because data is going to be sitting on tech and made available to people to see the truth that's there. Right. So there's no reason for you to not utilize come your own ability to do research and slow down because it's going to be there in a year or two anyway. Right. And I think you'll see most sales reps and most marketing people being out of this space simply because there'll be so much data out there that's readily available. But let's just maybe... You can't really lie about it anymore. <laughs> well... <laughs> but it's also one of the things that I love about MRP is, you know, you sell all devices, all technologies. So there's, there's no competition here. It's what do you need? See a need, fill a need. You know, we've got 10 microneedling RF devices. Which one's better? Well, let's talk about your practice. Let's talk about your budget. Let's look at all those analytics, all those variables to your equation, and then let's build something thoughtful. And that's one thing that I've always really respected about MRP I appreciate is that, that it's not a, my device is better than yours. It's, this is a tech. Let's talk about the tech. You know, I'm, I'm uh, speaking here in a month at uh, a major um, aesthetic trade show, and I was thinking yesterday about how I'm going to open it up. And Dr. Dale Coop shared something uh, uh, with me that was really funny that um, I think I might open with and, and, uh, and just um, uh, have a picture of a photon. And there's a, there's a picture of a photon new and a picture of a photon used <laughs> and what the impact is on the skin. Because <laughs> there's no change. <laughs> There's no such thing as a used photon. Use photon. <laughs> photon. So I the, do like that. Isn't that funny? Like, yeah, yeah, that hit my nerd, my nerd yeah. level pretty so, good. So yeah, big secret is the, the, the used photon doesn't work any less effectively than the new photon. Yeah. Because it's the same photon. The other thing is, is what people aren't seeing is, is I'm part of the discussion right now with many manufacturers that's starting to happen where used is going to be a big part of their... Um, uh, sales process where they realize that 
Having great experiences on the secondary market is going to help sell more new devices. And I can tell you that this whole dialogue of used in the next couple of years is going to go 180 degrees. Just mark this yeah. uh, in a couple of years. I you will see, see every that. manufacturer changing their tune on used because the customer base is getting smarter mm -hmm. and they're getting more educated and they're making better decisions. So um, I, I think it's going to be an interesting couple of years there. Let's let's wrap up with any, let's go maybe one other or two other things that you've seen in the industry that are just um, somewhat, uh, somewhat despicable or maybe share some inside scoop and without talking about anybody, but I'd, I'd love to, you know, you've been so embedded in these manufacturers from the inside and I'm not, I mean, they, they don't even let me within the same city. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh. I walk around the manufacturer, I'm like kryptonite. <laughs> I'm starting to feel that way. <laughs> Every little bit exposure, right? Um, goodness. Um, there's a more of a personal nature. <laughs> Did you want to go there? <laughs> um, um. So what you're saying is, is that there could be reality TV shows. Um, oh my gosh! Inside the uh, the. Call me <laughs> if you want to do a reality TV show about the. We'll just call it like sex lies and aesthetics. Um, because I mean, if you're not drinking, you probably should start right now. Wow, the things that I have seen specifically in the last couple years um, it, with certain companies, it um, so what, there is what, zero moral compass. So what you're saying <laughs> is, is there, there's there's uh, a lack it's, of um, it's manipulation, it's grooming, it's it literally the core of what we do again is to serve, mm -hmm. um, to have great technology to provide for people. And it's gotten so messy with uh, power-hungry people who uh, groom. Literally, I've seen grooming of young women um, that has been a, a deep hurt in my heart um, on a personal and a professional level. Um, you know, the manipulations and the, the excess flirting uh, towards opportunities, mm -hmm. so towards clients. Oh, uh, well, um, this lady, like, she really likes, you know, tall tall men with beards. So we're going to put him in there and have him schmooze her and take her to dinner. And the things that I've heard at some of these dinners, I'm like, Oh, so you thought, you thought that was appropriate. Um, and again, like I've been accused of being married to God, mm -hmm. um, having, uh, just a really high moral compass, but it was an insult and I found it to be the opposite. But there are people that are just using and exploiting, um, with sex, um, and a lot of lies. And, uh, these people are, are in really high powerful positions and they just, they're going to keep going until somebody stops them. And it's going to take more than me and you, unfortunately, because I feel like we could take on a big army, but we're going to need more, but that I would love to see to stop because people will look back and because they went to an event and they had a couple of drinks and people were flirting with them and maybe something a little bit more. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's the biggest cluster that I've ever seen. Well, if, if anybody's watched um, some of the, the uh, documentaries or docudramas or dramas on Oxycontin and the way that uh, um, sales and sales leadership were groomed um, mm -hmm. and the way they interacted with clinicians, I think that we've seen that, you know, that uh, basically uh, that same behavior kind of drop into aesthetics. Yeah. And I think in a couple of years, you're going to see some of this stuff hitting the, uh, hitting the airways. And I think you're going to um, see reading about it and hearing about it because it's pretty, it's pretty interesting how people are behaving. And, and I tell this to people all the time. This is not the rep's fault, okay? It's their ultimate responsibility. But, it's in their pitch. <laughs> but, they, but they come in, they come into these places, I think, in many respects, thinking, hey, I'm breaking into healthcare sales, mm -hmm. which is really the most you know, one of the greatest places to go learn sales because you think right. about the great companies, J&J, &J, Baxter, um, and uh, uh, Medtronic, and uh, Hologic. I mean, so many amazing companies out there right. that you go through their sales um, uh, education and training process and get into the field or get on the phone. And you really can be hired anywhere. And ultimately, what you learn there can, can even create uh, great CEO ships because you learn so much about the interaction of people and how to behave. 
But yet at these companies, what they don't realize is they think they're stepping into this, hey, I'm going to work for this great company that has high ethical standards. And what they're finding out is, is every single day they're inching away um, at their credibility and their integrity. And then they find themselves four or five or six years later in this really despicable, horrible place that they didn't realize and being really subjected to a horrible environment where they now are behaving like nothing they would have done when they started. The most toxic, toxic culture I have ever seen. Yeah. And that's, I, it, it's terrifying. And it, I feel like it's just getting worse and worse. I, I, I don't, I want to see it better, but I just don't see anyone stopping it. Well, I, I, here's the thing. The, the, the world is becoming incredibly transparent and people are getting more and more confidence. And I think this one's going to be stopped, not necessarily by um, reporting and change. It's going to be stopped by buyer behavior. 65% of every healthcare person decision, yeah. um, they do not want to talk to a sales rep. They do not want to talk to a sales rep. And um, as you restated, 70% don't want to talk to a sales rep. 65% are made by um, millennials. Those millennials are used to having data and making decisions and they mm -hmm. don't want to interact with the sales rep. So I think the buying patterns are changing where people that are younger that have been na digitally native for so long and have access to information and collaboration, they are now controlling the majority of healthcare purchasing. And so there's, there's a very short moment in time where this behavior will continue because people aren't going to want to go to a gauntlet. They're not going to go to a yeah. trade show. They're not going to let reps in their office. Yeah. I think about in our own, our own business. Okay. Just give some comparison. Yeah. I would never let a rep in here ever unless I invited them. Right. Okay. We, we, we are a very big operating company and we don't let reps call on us period. Okay. We reach out, we get information, we make collaborative decisions based on that information. We do resource checks. We do a lot of things and then we might talk to a sales rep, right. but yet this industry, it's incredibly in reverse still. It's the dark ages. It's medieval yeah. the way it's behaving. And I think that your concerns and fears really will um, go away because people won't be making decisions through those. I hope so. I hope so. Cause it does take away from the integrity of what we do and how we do it. So guys, um, I've known the, as I mentioned at the beginning of the, uh, discussion for many, many years, she's got a tremendous amount of integrity and she's worked for a lot of the manufacturers as I've sh shared with you. Um, her business is called spa advocate. And I think that, um, if you have, uh, not started out yet, um, on this process, it's worth giving her a phone call having a conversation with her and just getting some insight. She may be somebody you hire, maybe you don't, but at least you can get some, some great insight to how uh, you may uh, go step forward. If you've already made um, some of these decisions and are, are sitting, listening to this, watching this, and uh, you're like not sure what to do, again, give her a call. She might give you a little bit of insight. If you feel there's a good fit, uh, suggest hire her and uh, have her come in and kind of help you unwind or not make the mistakes that so many others have made. Um, thanks everybody for uh, listening and watching uh, another uh, um, another MedTech Marketplace uh, podcast. And uh, uh, thanks again for everybody's support. And uh, uh, Thea, great. Thanks for having you on. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank Got you. It.